out of all the different parts and characters of the story of the first Christmas in Luke 1 and 2, the scene that you just heard Jocelyn read, I think is the most well-known section. It's the section that, that even if Even if you go to church or you don't, if you're a Christian or you're not, most people at least know the basic parts of that scene or have some level of familiarity with with that scene. In the Christmas classic, A Charlie Brown Christmas, one of the best movies ever made in the history of cinema, the, the main point of the movie is when Charlie Brown, after so many different efforts and so many pursuing so many different options, he cries out, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And wise Linus gets up on stage and he recites with his blanket in hand, recites, he says, I can tell you what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And he recites Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. Linus isn't wrong. This is what Christmas is ultimately about, but these familiar words are not meant to be just sentimental. They're not meant to be nostalgic for us. If that's all they are to us, while they might be some of the most familiar words from Luke 2, they can also be some of the most least considered words from Luke 2. Sometimes the familiarity of verses like that can cause us to think about them less and less and to think less carefully about them as we might other passages. But as we continue learning about why Jesus came from the different songs that were seen in Luke 1 and 2, today we come to the angel song, the song of the angels. It's not long, but it's packing so much truth for us to consider this morning. And as we've looked at Mary's song, Zechariah's song, and now with the angel song, each song from a different angle is showing us something about why Jesus came. And the angel song is showing us this, that Jesus came to secure our peace. Jesus came to secure our peace. There's a lot of words that we got to think carefully about in a short sentence like that. What does it mean that he secured it? What does peace mean? And I think the passages that were, the verses that we're looking at this morning will show us that. But the way I'd like for us to walk through these verses is to just to grab three phrases from what the angels say and let those kind of shape our path of how we're walking through this and understanding what it means that Jesus came to secure our peace. And here's the three phrases that we're going to pull out. The the three phrases are fear not, behold, and then the word peace. Fear not, behold, and peace. So let's look at this first one together. Fear not. I really like the way that Luke describes this scene because he describes it in a way that we should imagine ourselves in the scene. We should imagine what it's like to be in this moment, to be in this time when the angels are appearing to the shepherds. Let's look together at verse 8, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Think about what this would look like, what this would be like in this small town in a, in a, in a field outside of the small town of Bethlehem. Think about what you would see in this moment. You would see an incredible amount, if it's a clear night, an incredible amount of stars in the sky. 
Obviously, no city lights like we have today to drown out what you would see at night. It would be, the view would be incredible of what the shepherds would see there. You would see sheep scattered across the field. You would see a band of shepherds caring, caring for them, protecting them, watching over them. Think about what you would hear in this moment. Be mostly quiet, probably, maybe with some chatter between the shepherds, maybe with a random sheep noise here and there. Think about what you would smell. Wouldn't smell like your favorite Christmas candle, probably. Have a little funky smell with all the sheep that are hanging on out there, some unpleasant smells. But for the shepherds, it's just a night like any other night. But this night that's just like any other night is about to become a night unlike any other night. Because here's what happens next. Let's look at verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The night, just like that, completely changes at this point. No longer is it just the shepherds and their sheep in the field. The angel of the Lord is now with them. No longer is it dark with some faint light of the stars, but the bright and blinding glory of the Lord envelops them in this field. No longer are they calm, just waiting for their night shift to pass. They are terrified. It says at the end of verse 9 that they were filled with great fear. And so the first words of the, that the angel speaks to the shepherd come in verse 10. And the angel of the Lord said to them, fear not. Fear not. These are some of the same first words that the angel spoke to Mary and that the angel spoke to Zechariah. We know angels are not these just kind of almost like oversized baby with wings looking figures because the first thing they always have to say to people is, don't be afraid. Fear not. Now, I don't think the shepherds are afraid just because something out of the ordinary is happening. Throughout the Bible, People always feel fear when they experience the holy presence of God. Even when, an, and it's an angel that has come from that presence. People always, over and over, from Old Testament through New Testament, when they experience the holy presence of God, there is fear in them. It's actually the same experience that's been happening since Genesis chapter 3. Very beginning of the Bible, when sin first enters the world, Adam and Eve disobey And they hide from God's presence in the garden. And when the Lord comes and seeks them out, what does Adam say to the Lord? He says, I was afraid, so I hid myself. This kind of fear was not supposed to be part of our lives. This kind of fear was not supposed to be something that you and I experience. Being afraid of God in a way that makes us run from him or not want to be around him. But it is a part of our lives. And if you... If you haven't been to church a lot or this is your first time here, you can even feel this when you go into a church, depending on how you think about it. A fear of, well, I know who I am and I know what I've done. Am I welcome at a place like this? And because all of us are born with a broken relationship with God, we all feel this fear. It's not because of God's doing It's because of our rebellion, our sin against him. Now, this fear is not about fear of the dark. 
This fear is not about the fear of heights. This is way deeper than that for each one of us. It's why we fear things like rejection. It's why we fear things like the future. It's why we fear other people for certain reasons and what they think about us. It's why we fear death. All these fears are an expression of the kind of fear that sin and evil bring into our world because we've been tricked by the lies of sin to think that our fear can be fixed by control. Think about the moments that make you afraid or just anxious or worried. Oftentimes we think, well, if I knew exactly what was going to happen or if I could control exactly what was going to happen, I wouldn't be afraid. I wouldn't be worried. And so we can tend to think that the opposite of fear is control. That's not the case. The opposite of fear is peace. That's why the angel speaks into this moment, fear not. The opposite of fear is peace. Because we know in a world created by God, we will never be in control. But he's in control, and that's always better. Because Jesus came to secure our peace, what the angels are going to do here is they're going to turn the shepherd's attention and our attention from fear to peace. From fear not to peace, but there's a bridge there, and that's our next word, the word behold. It's the very next thing that the angel's going to say to the shepherd here, behold. And there's a word, when we look at this word, Behold, that comes right after the angel says, fear not, in verse 10. It might be removed from your translation, depending on what kind of Bible you have. Because it's an old word, sometimes it's just kind of taken out of certain translations. But it's a word that's in the original language that the book of Luke was written in. And it's an important word for the shepherds and for us to hear, behold. Look with me at verse 10 again, and I'll show you where I see that. And the angel said to them, fear not, So he's telling them, don't be afraid. Now why? For behold, or because behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The word behold, I know we don't use that word a lot in our everyday language. Like when you open a a present sometime this week or next week at Christmas, you don't say, mom and dad, behold what I got for for Christmas. It sounds a little weird. But it's, it's a really valuable word here because it means look. It means pay attention. It means notice this. And and through the angel, the Lord is turning our attention away from fear to what he is accomplishing through the arrival of Jesus. Here's why there's no need for the shepherds to fear. Verse 10 again. Fear not, for behold, here's why. Here's why we don't need to fear. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That, that, that two-word, good news, is the same Greek word that we get the word gospel from. So the angel is essentially saying, don't be afraid, but look, I, I'm, I'm bringing the gospel to you. I'm bringing the good news that is a, gospel, a good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now this phrase, good news, or the word gospel, it wasn't just unique to Christianity at the time. In, this ancient, in the ancient world, in Jesus' day, the word gospel was often an announcement of a new government, of a new ruler, of a new king. So when a new king took over a country, when a new king took over the throne, messengers would spread out around the kingdom proclaiming the gospel of a new king. 
proclaiming the gospel of a new ruler. And that's exactly what the angel describes for us here. That there's a new king that has come on the scene. There's a new ruler that has come into the world. Here's what the angel goes on to say in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is, this is the good news that God sends to the shepherds through the angel. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Three, three key words in that short sentence. Savior, Christ, or, or Messiah, Christ and Messiah are the same word, or Lord. Savior, Christ, and Lord. Savior is what Jesus came to do. He came to rescue his people. We, we looked at this last week. He came to rescue his people from their enemies, from, from sin and Satan. And Christ, or Messiah, is who Jesus is. He is the promised one. He is the promised prince that God told his people he would send. And even in those short words, Savior, Christ, and Lord, all those, all the moments of the Old Testament, as we've seen the past two weeks, all the big promises of God, all the people that make up the stories of the Old Testament, we're all anticipating this moment when the Savior, who is the Christ, the Lord, would come, and now he's here. So this is good news. There's a new king. There's a new ruler. He has come. But how can the shepherds know that this long-awaited day is actually finally here? Well, the angel's going to give them a sign. He's going to say, here, here's how you know. Here's the sign that what God has promised would happen has finally happened. Let's look at the sign. Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. If you're familiar with these verses, this might not hit you as an unexpected sign, but it is. God's people have been waiting for centuries for the Savior, for the Messiah, for the new king to arrive. And now he's here. And the way you know he's here is when you see a baby. If I came and told you, hey, there is, there is a new king that's come, and he is going to come and be the perfect king He's going to rule God's people. He's going to bring all the good things that God has promised to us. And you say, well, how do you know that's happening? Well, I saw a baby. You would say that. The baby is the king. He's the, the ruler. He can't even feed himself. He can't even take care of himself. This sign doesn't shout king. This sign doesn't shout savior. This sign doesn't shout Lord. But notice that the angel has been building to this point the whole time. Even in the way Luke tells us, he says, An angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And then what does he call the baby? He calls him in verse 11, Christ the Lord. There's a salvation they didn't expect that's announced in a way they didn't expect, that's announced to a group of people they didn't expect, Yet all this is why fear no longer has power in our lives or in this world. Fear not, behold. Fear not, behold. That this child that has just been born, he has come into the world in weakness, and it looks like weakness to the world, but it's great power. 
And at the end of his life, it's going to look like great weakness to the world when he dies, but it's great power. When he's hanging on the cross, 30-something years after this moment, it's going to look like that's the ruler, that's the king. But we know there was a victory happening in what looked like the weakest moment that no one else could accomplish. And his reign will defeat the source of all our fears, sin and evil. So we don't have to fear rejection. We don't have to fear the future. We don't have to fear people. We don't have to fear death anymore because the king has arrived. The savior is here. The Lord has come. And God is not only inviting the shepherds to look, to listen closely to the good news. He is inviting you and I as well to look away from your fears and behold or look to Jesus, to look away from your worries and look to Jesus, to look away from whatever sin that is that you're pursuing or that's drawing you away from Christ and look to Jesus. Behold him and look to him for peace. It's our last word, peace. Fear not, behold, and peace. After the, the angel announces the good news, the gospel of great joy, this whole choir of angels joins in with this, this joyful response to what the angel has just told the shepherds. It's, all, it's almost as if the angel of the Lord comes, says what he says to the shepherds, here's the sign, here's the good news of great joy, here's what's going on, and then all the other angels come to celebrate what he's just announced. You'll see what I mean in verse 13. Let's look there together. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. As if the shepherd's night wasn't already pretty incredible. It's not just one angel. Now it's a whole multitude of angels. They are surrounded by this heavenly choir singing out in praise to God for who he is and how he has acted to rescue his people. And as the angels sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased, they are singing about two truths in two different places. In heaven and on earth. The first thing they sing, glory to God in the highest or glory to God in the highest heaven. To give glory to someone means to give them the honor that their reputation deserves. And this is what the angels are doing with the Lord. They know the honor that his actions, that his character deserve, and they're saying, glory to God in the highest. May all honor and worship and praise be to him because the, the birth of Jesus reveals God's love and it reveals God's holiness and it reveals God's mercy and it reveals God's power. And the angels are saying, praise God for all these things. Think about all that the angels have seen during their time. They're not humans. They're, they're heavenly beings. And Scripture tells us the angels were present when God created the universe. And that the angels were present and watching as God acted over and over throughout the Old Testament. And the angels were present when God was doing small things that no one else in the world at the time knew about. And the angels were present and, and watching when God was doing huge things that eventually the whole world found out about. And this is the moment that they come on the scene all together praising God. 
But then they also say, on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The way your Bible might say it, the way Linus says it, is peace on earth, goodwill to men. But I I like this translation, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Because in this phrase, the angels are declaring that those who receive the salvation that this newborn king is bringing can enjoy peace with God. Those who receive this salvation receive peace with God. In the Bible, peace is not a word that means worry-free life. Peace is not a word that means calm life, nothing bad ever happening. When the angels say on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased, they are describing peace between God and people that has not been there up until this point. This boy that was born will be the mediator between us and God. He would go on to live and die and rise again so that we can enjoy peace with God, something that we could never get on our own. In the Bible, repeatedly points us to this very truth. A really famous uh, Christmas passage in Isaiah chapter 9 that you might be familiar with, it, talk, it talks about, For to, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And then it says he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what's the last one? Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And then there's a a prophecy in in Micah 5 that we'll look more at in just a minute where it describes the coming of the Savior to Bethlehem. And at the end, as it describes who he is and what he's going to do, it says, and he shall be their peace. Not just he'll give them peace and leave. He himself shall be their peace. And then Romans 5.1 tells us that because we've been justified by justified by, with God by faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. We're going to close the service here in a little bit to singing Hark the Herald Angel Sings. And it talks in that, in that old Christmas hymn about God and sinners reconciled. I want you just to, when we sing that later, think about that phrase and take that phrase in. That there could not have been a bigger gap between us and the Lord because of our sin and our rebellion against him. But that he in his mercy and goodness and grace and love and power came all the way our way. He didn't say, hey, I'll come 50% if you come 50%. We could never come 50%. He came all the way our way in the person of his son Jesus through his birth, through his life, through his death. And he says, you can now have peace with me. The very thing you were created for. Through Christ, my son. This is why it's true that Jesus came to secure our peace, real peace, true peace, eternal peace. You and I can try to find peace in other places, but it won't last. You and I can try to find peace through having a lot of money or a relationship with another person. We can try to find peace through good deeds or religious activity. Like, well, why don't I just do this? It makes me feel better about myself, and that brings me peace. We can try to find peace through some kind of pleasure or passion, but only God can give you peace. Only God can give you peace that you're looking for. In every other place you pursue it, 
You're trying to find it, but you'll never find it without him. I remember the first time, the first Christmas after, after the Lord saved me when I was in high school. Of course, I'd grown up celebrating Christmas, and we came to church on Christmas, but I just sang the songs and was just, when is this going to be over so we can go home and open presents? Like, let's, get the, let's move this along, because I'm thinking my grandparents got me this thing that I asked for, and I'm ready to open that thing. But I remember the first Christmas after the Lord saved me and showed me that I can't find peace anywhere else but him. The songs and the passages like this went from 2D to 3D, 4D. It, was, it all came to life. It was jumping off the page that I'm reconciled with God now. I, I, Jesus has made me right with him, and the songs weren't just these empty words anymore. It was this huge difference of realization that the Lord showed me of, look what I've done for you through Jesus. And this is what the angels are presenting before us, that the eternal one stepped into time. The creator stepped into creation. The holy one stepped into our brokenness, and our peace was secured eternally because of that. And Christmas means that because of Jesus, peace with God is available for anyone that comes to him. And it's not this, well, you have to go to church so many times, and then you come to Jesus, and then you get peace. That's not the gospel. That's not the good news of great joy. Well, you need to clean your life up a little bit, kind of get more presentable, become a little bit more moral, quote-unquote, and then come to Jesus, and then you'll have peace. It's, there's no hurdles that you have to jump over. The ground at the foot of the cross is completely level. You just walk to Christ, and he will give you peace with God. And what's incredible is over time, that radically transforms your relationships with other people and produces peace in those relationships as well. Christmas means that because of Jesus, peace with God is available, and you simply have to come to him. Fear not, behold, peace. This is not meant to sound like an equation or a formula. I need to stop fearing, behold Jesus, and then I'll have peace forever, and my life is going to be amazing. But it is meant to help us realize that if we want to go from fear to peace, it's not just a matter of us cleaning ourselves up. There's a behold in the middle. There's some, we have to look away from ourselves. And actually, even Linus, in his well-known speech in A Charlie Brown Christmas, leads us down that path, actually. This is not original to me. A lot of people have noticed this and pointed this out. But in that movie, when Linus is quoting Luke 2 to tell Charlie Brown what Christmas is all about, something really interesting happens. The boy who's known for always having his security blanket, when he gets to the angel's word, fear not, he drops his blanket. He drops his blanket. Charles Schultz, the animator and writer of all the Peanuts cartoons, was a believer. He was a Christian man. And I don't think he did this on accident. Charles Schultz, Charles Schultz drew it this way on purpose. So, such a simple thing, but such a powerful thing. It shows us that Jesus came to save us from our fear. Jesus came to save us from all the dead-end paths that we've walked down to try to find peace and to lead us to trust him and to cling to him. That just like, even though we might you know, laugh and make fun of Linus, just like all the other kids do in Peanuts because he still has a blanket, we all have some kind of security thing we're trying to hold on to. And the song of the angels is saying, Cling to Christ. Trust him. 
You can't go from fear to peace on your own. You have to behold the Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this is good news of great joy. And it's this song, it's this truth that is going to lead us into some time of celebrating the Lord's Supper together. So let's pray.